Creative Babble. Do you think a former president would ever fall for a Ponzi scheme? Well, this is a story I had never heard of, but it really happened. Yes, Ulysses S. Grant, the Civil War hero, and the former president got bamboozled. He got swindled by a Ponzi schemer. It's a crazy story, and you should check it out on my podcast, The Ponzi Playbook. So download it now while you're thinking about it. Search for The Ponzi Playbook on your podcast platform of choice. This episode contains strong language and depictions of illegal activities that's not suitable for young audiences. It happened quick. Boom. You know, I got in a car accident. I remember I got in a car accident and uh, I had a friend of mine said, Hey man, I want to take you to, to a clinic that I got down in central close to the airport area i was like oh nice you said you got into an accident was that like a real accident like the first accident yeah like that was like a real yeah the, the the first accident was real this is one of the many car accidents eric torres is about to be involved in i'm javier leva and this is pretend radio stories about real people pretending to be someone else Let's talk about Eric Torres and how he became a career criminal, a con man. He started scamming auto insurance companies, then the con got bigger and more elaborate. You see, that's how it works. Once a con man gets away with it once, they have to do it again. But the next time, the con has to be bigger and more complex. This is part one of Birth of a Con Man. In this episode, we'll focus on Eric's early career staging car accidents in Florida. In part two, we'll focus on the con that made him millions and contributed to one of the biggest epidemics this country has ever faced. So let's jump back in. Eric was in a legitimate accident and his friend referred him to a medical clinic. So how, how'd you meet that guy? Like, what, what? Well, what happened was that I, a friend of mine found out that I had an accident. His dad owned a towing company. So his dad was referring patients to the guy's clinic and his dad was getting a kickback for bringing people in that had just got in accidents so that's how his dad was able to you know figure out what this guy was doing he built a relationship with the guy and you know the more people he was bringing you know the more people he was paying for their business so the next day eric goes to the clinic so i go in there i meet this guy this guy uh tells me hey man you know how many people were in your car and i tell him well it was like two of us and he's like look if you bring if you bring that guy over i'll give you 500 bucks for you and him i was like wow 500 bucks 20 years old it's a lot of money so i said sure no problem so i brought the guy over we called the insurance company we did all the things we needed to do. We did our x-rays and stuff. And the guy called me later on the afternoon, gave me 500 bucks for me and my my friend. I was like, wow, man. He's like, listen, if you refer me any other people, I'll give you 500 per person. So I was like, all right, cool, man. I think I could do something. Sounds like easy money, except how exactly do you find people 
who have just been in a car accident. Simple. You just stage an accident. So uh, I ended up finding somebody else to to stage a car accident. I tell him, man, listen, I got this guy. You give me five hundred bucks. And they were like, oh yeah, give five hundred bucks. I was like, yeah, five hundred for each person in the car. So Eric gets five hundred dollars per passenger, and then gives each person in the car a hundred bucks. So I remember telling one of the passengers, "I give you a hundred bucks." And uh, and they were like, "Yeah, man, I'll do it for a hundred bucks." I said, "Listen, man, you're gonna get a lawsuit at the end. You know what I mean? So you're gonna end up winning more." Imagine you're driving on the road when suddenly a beat-down car full of passengers pulls into the lane right in front of you. Then suddenly the driver slams on his brakes. You look up at the rearview mirror, and there's a car behind you, but it's too late. You're in a three-way accident. But no one should be hurt, right? It was a minor fender bender. Wrong. All eight passengers stumble out of both cars, holding their necks and rolling on the ground. The police shows up and writes an accident report. So I go and I remember crashing the bumper uh, with a random car. We drove late night and we randomly picked a car (laughs) and just ran into it and crashed the bumper, gave it like a car crash look, drove about three blocks away or four blocks away, called the cops and said, hey man, there's, you know, somebody hit and run us. They're like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll send the cops over. So they send the cops over. And I remember that, uh, I remember the cop came and did a police report. Next morning, I called my guy. I told him, hey, man, I got another guy of mine's just got in an accident. He wants to go check you out. He said, sure, no problem. I was like, all right, perfect. So I went up there and, uh, I took my guys over there. It was three of them. I gave my buddy, the driver, 500 I gave the other guys 100 bucks. I, I remember keeping almost $1,000. I was like, wow, man, I think I could do this all over again. See, Florida is one of the few states that has a no-fault law that is designed to cover financial losses and cover medical expenses for crash victims, you know, so that they don't need to go to court and file a lawsuit to establish who's to blame. For personal injury protection. In the state of Florida, you're covered $10,000 per person. So what they would do is, if they were billing the insurance companies 10000 bucks, they'd give you $500. They'll make 9500 bucks. So they're, they're paying you to earn your business, whether you're faking the accident or not. And then they're telling you, hey, man, you know, at the end, you could get a lawsuit as well. You could sue the cars that that hit you. You know what I mean? So when you come to look at it, nobody's really coming out of pocket. It's all insurance scamming money. Well, not exactly. To Eric, these little fender benders seem like a victimless crime. In his eyes, everybody wins. The clinic gets their $10,000. He gets paid. His buddies get paid. Even the poor schmuck who got hit got his bumpers fixed. Everybody wins. But the reality is, we all lose. Miami is the fourth most expensive city for car insurance, most likely due to stage accidents like this. The average cost for full coverage in the state of Florida is 3300 That's almost four times the national average. So I pretty much went and took off and did it on my own. You know, I started... 
I started scouting around for people, you know, and started setting up accidents and stuff. And the guy, I remember he told me, listen, man, you know, I'm going to give you a raise. I'm going to go from 500 to 1,000 for each person you bring me. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, 19 years old, you're making a 1,000 bucks that easy. You know, uh, I was pretty impressive. So, you know, as I started bringing more people in, more people were bringing me more patience. Hey, Eric, I got a guy, man. You know, because I'm the one that had the connection with the owner to give me the cash for the accidents. So I was going out there, staging a few car accidents here and there and staging a car accident with three people, making 1500 here. Those people would refer other people. Those people will keep referring people. So I would look like a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Where people would call me instead of drugs, they'll call me for an accident. You know, so they wanted to make a little money. They were short on rent. They didn't have no money. Eric said he was cashing out around $4,500 a week. He did this for about two years and then quit. It probably had something to do with Florida's 2012 law designed to curb rising car insurance rates due to fraud. But this story is not about auto insurance fraud. That would be too easy. This story is about the birth of a con man. A con man who happens to be my cousin. See, Eric and I grew up together. We were like brothers. If I had to describe Eric as a kid in one word, I would say affectionate. He's always, and still does, have a good heart. But over the years, we began to go in different directions. I stayed out of trouble and, well, he relished in it. After middle school, I wanted nothing to do with him and the life that he was living. It wasn't until recently that we started talking again. He's older now and has a beautiful daughter and seems to have matured. He looks back at his life now as if it were all an act. He was pretending to be the bad guy, but I'm not so sure. Everything I told you so far is new to me. I wanted to learn more about what happened after we stopped talking as kids. So I gave him a call. You know, I had to become a bad guy. Uh, So I had to prove to other kids that, hey, you know, this is not just a up front, I do the bad stuff too. But I remember I was like 14 and, uh, and I went, I, I started off at a target and I told my friend, man, I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm no bitch. I'm going to walk in here. I'm going to fucking go steal me a CD player and I'm going to just take it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, man, you're the man, you're the man. You know, I had a bunch of kids rooting me on. I had to show them what I was trying to cover up as a bad guy was the truth. So I went in there, I took the CD player, ended up getting caught. You know, cops came and, oh man, it was just a mess. But hey, you know, it just, it gave me more power to prove to these guys that I was a bad guy. At the end of the day, like I always said, I was scared to go home. You know, I was frightened of my stepdad beat me up and, you know, problems. So. I'm not even going to pretend to understand what he means by being a bad guy in order to protect himself. But what I do know is that Eric had a rough childhood. I saw it with my own eyes. Eric's stepdad loathed him. Eric wasn't even allowed to eat at the table with him. He had to eat dinner in his room. And I'm a father now, and I can't imagine treating my children the way his stepdad treated him. 
Still, that doesn't excuse this whole bad guy facade. So, after that incident, you know, I, I ended up, I went to high school, I met these guys. These guys were really bad. These were really bad guys. And uh, other friends used to tell those guys, hey, man, this is a really bad guy, too. Hey, man, this guy, Eric, he's a bad guy. Man, he comes from this school, Ponce de Leon. He comes from North Miami. This guy's super bad. And people were like, well, let's see how bad he is. You know, and that's, I mean, they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't, like, tell me, hey, let's see how bad he is. But I know they were expecting me to be that kind of bad guy. You know, I used to want to show off in front of the, the older, the other bad kids. I was like, man, I need a car radio. You know, my car radio broke. So I remember breaking into one of the cars in the school parking lot, taking my radio, and the guys were like, oh, man, this guy's really crazy, man. This guy's really crazy. I was like, yeah, man, I don't give a fuck. I need this fucking radio. I'm going to take this shit. And he was like, oh, man, yeah. He's like, you know, the words started getting around that I was, you know, crazy. It worked out perfect. And uh, and the kids started more and more. Kids started respecting me, look up to me. Eric went from noble kid to shoplifter to breaking into cars. Home burglary was a natural next step. This guy tells me, hey, man, let's go break into house. So I was like, you know, in reality, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to do it. I can't back up now. It's too late. So I jump in the car. This is early in the morning. I jump in this car. And uh never forget, it was a brown Cadillac. I told him, look, man, I'll be the driver. You know? Because, you know, deep in my heart, I didn't want to break into anybody's house or take anybody's stuff, you know? This just wasn't my type of bad guy situation. All right, let's go. I'll drive. Nah, man, what do you mean you're going to drive? You're going to fucking go in this house with us. What are you fucking scared, dude? I was like, oh, man. And I was like, nah, man, dude, I'm not fucking scared, bro. Fuck, fuck you mean, man, I ain't fucking scared. I'm a fucking, I'll show you how to do it. He ended up knocking on the door and, uh, and nobody answered. But we went and he kicked the door down. He's like, all right, man, come on. So I remember he had, like, like, like sock gloves. They used socks as gloves to hide their fingerprints. They ended up taking a TV and a few other things. Now Eric broke into his first house, so he had to do it again. But now I gotta be, if I'm gonna go forward, and I already broke into a house, I'm gonna have to be the leader of this pack. And, you know, I was telling him, come on, man, let's do this house. They drive to their second house around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's, it's hot and muggy, you know, a typical day in Miami. We went into the backyard. We opened the last side door, went inside. He goes, all right, where are you, man? Go park the car. Because I parked the car in the corner. i never forget this moment. I was looking at my hand. I was like, damn, man, I knew, you know, my, my conscience, my subconscious was telling me, Eric, you're, you're doing wrong. But as I look up, about three blocks away in front of me, I see a cop car. I see a cop car looking dead at me. And 
I was like, oh, shit. So I kind of panicked. I freaked out. I put the car in drive. I drove to my butt. I drove back to the house that they had broke into, and I started honking. I'm like, hey, man, the cops are outside. The cops are outside. He's like, oh, shit. And uh, 15 minutes later, we were surrounded by cops. Eric and another guy named Carlos make a run for it. So I ran, and I grabbed one of my other guys, Carlos, and I tell him, hey, man, let's go you and me, and let's split up. So me and him ran, we got up, jumped over a few fences, and we hid in a canal for about four hours. After four hours, I told the man, let's just get out of here. Uh, when we got out of the canal, we started running, and we see a cop. Oh, man, it was the worst nightmare. We see this cop, and he's like, get on the ground, get on the ground. So I get down on the ground, boom, we ended up going to Eric went to jail. Two years later, he goes to jail again for violating his probation. So I ended up going to, you know, I went to court. I remember my mom walking into court, and uh, one of the public defender lawyers tells my mom, "Hey, look, if you pay five hundred, get him a private attorney. He might not go to jail." And my mom was like, hey, you know what? I'm tired of dealing with him. Whatever happens to him, let it happen to him. She turned her back, walked right out. The judge says, hey, I'm going to sentence you to a year and a day in prison. You know, I was thinking in my head, gosh, please just turn her back on me. I'm only 17. I always knew he was hanging around with the wrong crowd. I just had no idea the type of things that he was getting himself into. He went from being a petty thief to ripping off giant car insurance companies. After his stint staging car accidents ended, it almost seemed like he got away with it. My probation officer calls me, says, hey man, I need you to come on in. And I was like, sure, what's the problem? I was just there Friday. He said, yeah, well, I need you to come back. I was like, all right, I'll be there Monday. So I showed up and sure enough, man, there was two uh, fraud detectives there uh, waiting for me. And I was like, oh, man. They said, hey, man, you got to go to jail. I was like, go to jail? I was like, sir, what do you mean? You know, they're like, yeah, man, you know, you're wanted for 80 counts of insurance fraud and 80,000 grand theft. And I was like, fuck, shit, man, this is fucking crazy. I mean... What did he think was going to happen, really? So I remember, you know, they handcuffed me, put me in the car, uh, drove me down to the police station. The cops were trying to talk to me and say, hey, man, I really need you to talk and talk to me about your buddy, which they wanted me to talk about the owner of the clinic. And I said, hey, man, really, I ain't got nothing to talk to you about. You know, there's nothing to talk to you about. No, well, you're you're going to get off the hook, but I want to, this guy, he can't get off the hook. And you're the only person who's actually going to be able to testify against him in court. And I said, well, because that's not going to happen. In business, you shouldn't burn bridges. On the street, you shouldn't snitch. 
And, uh, you know, just being part of a street business, you don't want to talk to the cops because you kind of lose your credibility. You kind of lose a lot of people. You lose trust. You lose a lot of things. You want to go to jail, but you want to stay in good terms with people because when you come back, you need them. Uh, I remember I went to jail and uh, I ended up going to I ended up going to court. Prosecutors like, hey, man, you don't want to talk on your guy. I said, no, I got nothing to talk to about this guy. Eric was found guilty and sent to prison for over two years. So what now? How can he turn his life around? Does he even want to turn his life around? I mean, once you become a convicted felon, you know, the system is set up where you you kind of stay stuck in the same rhythm. Because even if I wanted to wake up the next day and try to become a doctor or become a paralegal or try to sell cars or have a car dealer or, you know, just try to be a regular citizen, you know, they, the system just won't allow you to. It's a, you know, it's a very, very crazy system you know and that's kind of why you see most criminals become career criminals because of the way the system is set up you know i wanted to change my life i wanted to open up a car dealer i wanted to uh uh you know do a lot of things that i can't do i mean till today i can't even i can't even get a i can't even get a job driving around as an uber driver because i'm a convicted felon i can barely get on do any food deliveries because of the way the system is set up um you know it kind of sucks but it is what it is so i mean you come out here you you could try as much as you can but just because you're a convicted felon you're probably the only opportunity you get is to be a construction worker and be a handyman and get paid minimum wage you'll never get the opportunity to get a high paid salary job no more so i mean you got no other way to look towards is to go back to what you could do Eric's story doesn't end here. In fact, it's just the beginning. Eric's next con is his biggest and most ambitious yet. I went online and I put a few ads on Craigslist looking for a doctor. I met with the doctor. The doctor was a cool guy, man. He said, yeah, man, I... You know, the doctor straight up tells me, hey, man, yeah, I know what's going on, man. I want to make some money, too. The Birth of a Con Man, Part 2, next time on Pretend Radio. Thank you again for listening to Pretend Radio. If you enjoyed this show, tell your friends and go to pretendradio.org and consider donating a buck a show. There's so many good stories that we want to tell you, but there's a lot of expenses that go into making this radio program. A dollar from you will go a long way. Creative Babble.